As I come, I'm delaying as much as I can having to, to come to the back half of 1 Corinthians 7. I'll just be honest. Man, if somebody had, just want to share a testimony for the next 30 minutes, I'd let you. And I don't believe in testimonies. That's how it is. So let me just say this. All of Scripture is equally inspired by God. But not all of it is equally useful. It's just not. I'm going to tell you something. If I never again preach or hear another sermon from the book of Ecclesiastes, I'll be okay. I can make it to heaven for however long it takes. If, 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 if it's fine, you know. I, don't, I, I still don't, I do not now understand all that stuff in the tabernacle. Because when I try to read it, I fall asleep and I just give up. It is, it is boring. No, I don't think any of it pertains to Jesus. I don't care about the censor. I don't care about the, what the altar looked like. Because I don't care. It doesn't relate to me. Is all of that inspired? Yes. And if 3,000 years ago I was Jewish, it wouldn't matter. Doesn't matter. Sometimes in the New Testament, <laughs> there are things that are really difficult. And from a pastoral standpoint, while there's always some principle we can get, sometimes the situation doesn't connect to us. And tonight is kind of one of those nights. We're going to talk. Paul's dealing with a problem that is unique to Corinth. And he gives phenomenal advice. The problem is that situation doesn't easily translate to us. Now, certain things do. You, you know, the temptations in Galatians to add or take away from the gospel. Yeah, it may be different than what we would do. It relates to us. Absolutely. In Romans, you know, the, all the theology and doctrine in Romans, absolutely pull that out. Uh, but this is one of those places. Because he's dealing with primarily the role in, in relationship of what virgins do in the pressing times that they have. Now, I will tell you this. Paul always affirms marriage. So some people come to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 25, through the rest of the chapter, and somehow think Paul's against marriage. He's not. He actually affirms it. One of the things we have to remember, and, I, and this, is so, this is why context is so important, and having a total understanding of the Bible helps, even though the New Testament's where we emphasize. In Genesis, God lays the parameters of marriage before sin entered the world. Remember what God said? It's not good for the man to be alone. And he created a woman. That, that has never changed. Two people need each other. That has never changed. All right, that heat's up. Good. When do you want to fix that heat? Because now I'm, I'm cooking. This, maybe just be the circumstances causing me to perspire of all this. Thank you. It's the, it's the contemporary music guy who's doing all that. It's getting ready. Um, and, and so that when sin entered the world, everything changes. So when, when you come to a passage like now that we're going to be in, there's always the background of sinfulness of humanity. We're in the city of Corinth. It's the most sinfully wicked city in the world at that time, or one of them. I've told you, paganism's everywhere. They have gods and goddesses all over the place. Sexual promiscuity's everywhere. Most of the believers have come out of a background of paganism. They have cultural experiences that we don't have. Some of them carried over from the Jewish life. It's, it's, the, 
is, you know, that marriages were oftentimes arranged. I mean, Joseph and Mary, we're going to look at them Sunday. That was an arranged relationship that was put together. These marriages were arranged. We don't arrange marriages anymore. I remember when, when I asked Debbie to marry me uh, back in 1982, we were young. I mean, at 12 is a little young to get married, I know. But, you know, <laughs> I didn't ask her family for their permission. We were 21. I didn't care what they thought. If they said no, I would say, tough, we're getting married. I mean, we were adults. We, we, we were in love. God was in us get married. You know, and I, I, I may sometimes, this happens, I'll have people talk to me of all different ages saying, I need to go ask the father if I can marry his daughter. I'm like, okay, but why? I mean, okay, but no, go ahead. But what if he tells you no? What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I don't think he will. Well, have you looked in the mirror? Because I might. <laughs> don't take unnecessary chances, guys. You take so verse 25 says this. I stall all I can. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who, by the mercy of the Lord, is trustworthy. Now, the word of virgin doesn't just mean women. It, 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 it means men. And really, it's someone who is celibate to some degree before having come to marriage. I like what he says. What I'm telling you isn't from Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not leading me. I'm just sharing with you some good advice. Now, this does not mean it's not inspired, okay? It is. But we need to understand, this is, he, he's not pulling it out into the Old Testament and pulling forth things or something through his prayer life and his study that the Lord has led him. He's really giving some practical advice based on, A, the fact that he was a brilliant theologian as a scholar, as a Jew. And B, he is a leader in the Christian community by now, par excellence. I mean, he, he founded this church. Evidently, we should understand a question was asked. We don't, see, we don't have all the information. But somebody asked them a question. And he's responding to it. It may even be that he was misquoted. Oftentimes, Paul got misquoted. He comes back and he phrases something. And we should understand there was a misquote there. He says, so by the mercy of the Lord, it's trustworthy. And then he says this, I think it is good. In view of the present distress, that is good for a man to remain as he is. Notice this time, he's saying there's a man, not even a woman. So the virgin, you know, is for all, but he's just couching it that way. The word distress speaks of a trouble or affliction. We don't know what it is. Some, in a minute you'll see there's a, there's a tendency to think the second coming. But this, the second coming wasn't in distress. Most likely it's one of two things. There is a particular problem that's unique to the church at Corinth. And, I, and I, have, I have some leanings towards that. That may be due because of location, things that are going on. If you read what happened at the church at Corinth in the book of Acts, um, you will see there's some stress in there. Um, also, and this, and this is not, the second view, and this, these are not two separate views, they may go together, is in, in light of persecution. Now, Rome has not begun to persecute heavily. That, and actually, the, the, the expansive persecution by the Rome would be a ways off. But some things were starting to happen. But there would be local persecutions. The Jews persecuted the Christians. And, you know, and you, you saw some of that uh, in Acts at the Church of Corinth. And certain communities, might, in, in Ephesians, you saw the local uh, merchants trying to persecute the church because they were cutting into the prophets there. And that might be expected. So there's something happening. That's causing an unusual sense of stress that he, he calls distress. And so he says, it's, it's, you ought to remain as you are. And what he's saying is, however you are, don't change anything. 
And then he kind of gives the two examples. Are you bound to a wife? <laughs> I've never used that phrase when I am bound to Debbie. It makes it sound wrong. I just say I'm, I'm happily married. That would be a better translation today. Are you happily married? <laughs> then do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? In other words, are you no longer married? Do not seek a wife. These are not commands. So it, we ought not to think that there is a command to marry or a command not to marry. He's giving advice in a situation. He says this, though. But if you marry, you have not sinned. That's, that's always good to know. If you've married, you've not sinned. But understand the context. This is not... See, some people say, well, try to put this as a, a carte blanche rule about all marriage. What, what he's saying is, in the situation y'all are dealing with, it's not sinful to marry. And the reason he's saying this is some have, must have said or led or taught that to be married would be sinful. There, there has always been, there's always been within parts of Christianity, the aesthetic life, the, the people who are monastic, to go out and, and deprive themselves of all the pleasures and say that's how you live. That there is nothing in Scripture that says we live that way. Now, and so one of the things that, that may be going on and, and that they may be dealing with is that there may be some pressure for people uh, in light of whatever stress is going on and maybe we'll see the second coming to live that way. Pa Paul lives that way. So some may even be using Paul as an example. Remember, one of the real problems at Corinth, and, and, and so when you read this piecemeal, you forget this. If you just sit down and read the book of 1 Corinthians, it'll take you about half an hour, um, eh, maybe a little bit longer or less, depending on, on you know, what you do. But there's a problem at the church. There's, there's divisions. And so you ought to take this in light of there is some division. And I've shared with you before, and I will really hit this hard you know, next year when we get to that part. There was a group of people who thought themselves superior in their spirituality. They were super Christians. And so it, part of them may have been this group. There may be all sorts of factions in it. But there may have been a group who said, I am single. And maybe they left their wife to become this way. And, and to live the aesthetic, life, aesthetic lifestyle, the celibate lifestyle, they can be closer to God and say, look at me. And this is the superior brand of Christianity. Paul saying, no, it's not. And, and so he says, if you're married, it's not a sin. If you get married, it's okay. Earlier, remember last week, he said it's better to get married than to burn with lust. Remember, they're in one of the most explicitly pornographic cities that's ever existed. There's nothing you find on the Internet that wasn't a part of everyday life in Corinth. He said, so if you marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she is not sinned. Yet such will have some trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you. And, the, and he's going to explain why the trouble. The trouble isn't because they're married per se. It's not the troubles of marriage. It most likely is the trouble that is, they're going to face because of the pressure that they're upon them. In times of persecution. Today, it's the same way throughout the world. People who persecuted. There is added pressure because of family members. The leverage. Certainly, you know, if we experience persecution and they were to come and take my wife away, that, or I was living in fear of that, it might cause me to, I, I would live a certain way. You know, if as single, I would live another way. I, I might not care as much. You know, even, even today, I, recently, even within the past month, I have made a couple decisions, and I made them purely because I thought about my wife. I'm doing this for the well-being of my wife. If I was not married, I would not do this. But I am. And so I have made some tough decisions for me personally. 
that I didn't necessarily want to make normally, but I made it to be sure that I was, in my life, protecting Debbie somehow. There's nothing wrong or illegal. I do that whether I was married or not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I say this, verse 29, brothers, the time has been shortened. So that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they, they had none. Now, the time is shortened. Some think he's talking about the coming of the Lord is coming. And, and, and maybe, it may be a reference to the second coming, but I, I don't find in the balance of Paul's writings him talking about life being shortened because of the second coming. I, I, he talks about that, that, it's, that the Lord, he thinks the Lord is going to come at any point. I tend to think the time is shortening, this is just me, is more because of whatever they're struggling with. What they're struggling with may shorten time, may not have much longer. Things may not go on the way they are. Now, it could be in light of the second coming, and that's fine. There's, it's legitimate, and I have no issues with that. Uh, and I don't think it's wrong. I, I just don't know that that's the only way to look at this. And maybe a, a lot of these times, these are combinations of things. It's like there's persecution coming. We think the Lord's coming. Uh, maybe he has other things in mind. And the combination of them makes Paul say, you know, for y'all in Corinth at least, there may not be a whole lot of time to make decisions. The idea of shorten doesn't mean instead of living to be 60, you live to be 50. It means things may be coming to a head. The problem may get greater sooner than you think. Now, this is about 55 Ten years later, Paul will be killed. So there's a sense that the persecution of Nero, which was not that widespread, might be more intense. By the time you get to the end of the century, the persecution of Christians are everywhere. So the shortening of time could very easily be the concept that at some point the distress gets so great that, <clears throat> that you're going to live with whatever that is. Persecution would be a good example. Does that make sense? If it doesn't make sense, just nod your head, shake your head, talk to me tomorrow. So the time is shorter. So live, even if you're married, as though you had none. In other words, it's not, live as if you're not married does not mean to live however you want. It means you've got to make decisions for your family. And you can't let the fact that you're married interfere with the decisions you have to make on faith. You've got to live a life of faith. And you can't, you can't let marriage keep you from it. A good example would be, in persecution at least, you can't say, I'm going to dishonor God because I fear for my family. That's why he would say, don't get married. Then you don't have that issue. But if you're married, you can't, you can't dishonor God because you have a wife. You just have to live then as if you didn't have one. That's kind of what that means. But I... Uh, and to those who weep as though they did not weep. So, you know, those who be sad, you can't spend your time being sad. Those who rejoice as though they did not have rejoice. And those who buy as they did not possess. In just a minute, I'm going to explain why that means. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of this world is passing away. He's not saying you can't live in the world and enjoy things. But what he's trying to get across is don't be focused on the sorrows or the joys of life. Don't get caught up in the worldliness of life. There's another focus that you have to have. So don't get caught to the extreme. It's okay if you're sad, but don't stay there. It's okay that you have joy, but you've got to get back to reality. There's something going on, he's saying. And so in verse 30, 
two, but I want you to be free from concern. That's what he's saying. Free from the concerns of life. Something is happening. And so don't live on the, don't, don't in, in, their, in their situation, not to us now, their situation. What's going on? You got to be aware. So with all this in mind, he's going back to the whole part about marriage. Uh, again, for the virgins and, and, and for the singleness. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. Now, this doesn't mean that that's about everything, that, you, that someone who's married has no concern for the Lord, only family. It doesn't mean that. Or the one who is single, that's all they do. Listen, I know plenty of single people don't give God the time of day. When kids graduate from high school until the time they get married and start having kids. And many of you know this in your own life. Their percentage of church attendance plummets. And I've spent 40 years hearing people say, what are we going to do about this? And basically I say, wait it out. Because it's been that way forever. And if you think it's going to change, you're wrong. Create Things that will attract them. But understand, that's life. Because when kids are free and single, they don't necessarily think. So this is not, this, you and I know from experience, this doesn't always work this way. In fact, when you get married and you start having kids, I, I, I can't tell you the number of people, well, well, we decided to come back to church because we're, you know, we're married, we're fixing our kids are turning two, our, our kids turning two, and we need to get them in church. We grew up in church and we know we've been away from the Lord and we need to come back. All right. Happens all the time. There's a whole bunch of people over there. That applies to them, I guarantee you. But what he's saying is, he's given examples of how, you know, you tend when you're married to have interests divided, and that's what he says. His interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord. She may be holy both in body and spirit, but he who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I say this for your benefit. Not to put a constraint or restraint on you, but promote what is appropriate, and to secure a secure, undistracted devotion from the Lord. What he's saying is, the primary thing is to be devoted to the Lord. And sometimes, in the busyness of life, and you look at our world, you've got a job and family to support, you know, you've got a husband you've got to take care of, and a wife you've got to take care of, and kids you've got to take care of, two-income family. It's easy to get distracted. The average person, attends church. The average committed, regular attending church, 1.7 times a month. I guarantee you, we have a lot of people that this is their church home. They give money. They love our church. This is it. And they come maybe twice a month because things pull them everywhere. I mean, they're kids. And nowadays, kids have stuff on Sundays. Kids play all sorts of sports on Sundays. And I know it's easy for us to say, well, they shouldn't do that. Yeah, but you know what? When I was growing up, football was everything, and I don't think my mama would have told me I couldn't play football. You know, I mean, that's just, that was just, it's just their life. So there's a lot of people who are active, regular members of our church who come twice a month, maybe, because other things distract them. They're not sleeping late. They're the busiest people you'll ever find. And so it's easy in the course of life to get distracted. Now, in our culture, unlike Paul's talking about singles get just as distracted. This is why this, listen, don't kid yourself. This doesn't relate to us very well. I know that. It just doesn't. 
Because singles are, are I mean, just as busy. It, it's all busy. I mean, single, we live in a culture, you're 25, 26, you got a good paying job, you don't have, you're, you're not married, man, you, money's good, you travel, you do things, you have fun, you spend, I mean, you, you, get, you get busy. So, it, to some degree, this doesn't travel well to 21st century America. It just doesn't. That's why it's hard to relate to this. So I don't like teaching this passage. But the point is, don't let anything distract you from your devotion to the Lord. That's the point. And that doesn't change. Verse 36. <laughs> if any man thinks he is acting unbecomingly towards his virgin daughter, if you have the new IV, it says the virgin who is engaged. Then, so you understand this. In the Greek, the word daughter ain't there. It's just a virgin. So normally it means the virgin daughter or the be the virgin son, but here's the father. It's the virgin daughter. It doesn't make sense that a man thinks he's acting unbecoming to his virgin who is engaged. If that's the case, then they're talking about the, the husband-to-be. And so it takes kind of two different meanings. It probably is best to think father to daughter than husband to fiancé. It'd be fiancé to fiancé, which the NIV would lead you to believe, New Living Translation leads you to believe that. Um, it's not the end of the world either way, but Here's what he says. If she is past her youth, <laughs> understand, past your youth then, then past 20. Pretty much all of you over the hill. <laughs> if he must do so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let her marry. But he who stands firm in the heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will, has decided that his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give his her in marriage will do better. Let me tell you something. There's no way on the face of this earth I'll ever preach that on a Sunday morning. We don't, as a rule, we don't arrange marriages. This is the time to arrange marriages. Has anybody ever legally arranged a marriage? And I'm not talking some of you guys got a mail order bride. That's desperation. I'm not saying. Oh. My, you know what my daughter did? She called her mom and dad, said, I'm married. I said, good. I'm taking you off everything I had. I was happy she got married. I thought that was going to free me up financially. I was wrong. That bank account still open. And the ATM of dad still works. That's okay. That just, it just doesn't translate. So it's hard. And, and, you know, and I can try to be super spiritual. And, 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 uh, I'm not going to do that. Back then, I, I cannot fathom a dad's telling his daughter, Honey, it's in your best interest not to get married, so I'm not going to give you away in marriage. That's beyond my ability to grasp, but that's what he's saying. He's saying that's okay. may not be okay, but the understanding needs to be it has to be okay with the girl too. If the dad and the daughter agree, it's okay. If they decide to get married, that's okay too. <laughs> so the best way I can say that in, in, our, in our world today is Paul is affirming people who both are married and are single. Both lifestyles are okay. Then verse 39, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead... She is free to be married to whoever she wishes. 
only in the Lord. And that would be marry a Christian. That, we could, that carries today. Marry a Christian or make sure the Lord is in it. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think also I have the Spirit of God. So he's just saying the same thing. Whether you're single or whether you're widowed, it's okay to get married. It's okay to stay single. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. But whatever you do, be faithful and be pure in your life. Be, be morally pure and serve the Lord. Don't let anything distract you from serving the Lord. And I think when I, when I come to this, and all joking aside, and I joke and kid, but what I get out of this, and as your pastor, what I want you to get out of this, is wherever the Lord leads you in your family life is where you need to go. And wherever you go, if it conforms with Genesis chapter 2, and it conforms with what the Lord teaches through Paul and Jesus, you're okay. So when people come to tell me, and, you know, and ask me, I have people sometimes come to me, I do, I say, I think I should just say single. And I'm like, okay, why? And we go through the process. I say, if that's where the Lord leads, you're fine, but you don't have to. Uh, we were joking, actually, before he came in, nothing to do with this, that one of our, that somebody was, uh, he put that, he was a single, and he was happily confirmed as single. <laughs> and I said, that's, in other words, he can't find a date, is what he's saying. <laughs> But if the Lord leads you down a path, Paul is saying, go down that path. And remember, there were issues at Corinth that we're not having to deal with. You cannot, you cannot separate that text from those issues. So, always, Paul affirms fidelity and purity in following the Lord's path. And you're free to go where the Lord leads you without feeling guilty. And that, as Forrest Gump would say, is that.